0: We'll Am your host and Trisha Brace Smith, author educator and public speaker. I am the voice for those who suffer in silence. Today, me and Money and Mindset host, Ms. Sharika Afford. We're gonna do a double take with our special guest, Miss Brenda Kilhoffer. Okay, and so the topic today, we're going to be talking about beating the odds. We're going to be talking about beating the odds, guys. So go ahead, grab a seat, relax, and let's get ready to dig in today with our two-for-one woman-to-woman and money and mindset podcast.
1: Hey, Brenda, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we are so looking forward to hearing your story about how you and your family were able to pay off $120,000 worth of debt. Um, I got my pen here, I got my notebook because I will be taking notes. <laughs> so, because that was quite an accomplishment um, and I applaud you guys. So.
2: If you would, just tell us about yourself and um, tell us your story. Well, Antrisha and Sharika, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I'm super grateful for the opportunity to share my story with you and with all of your listeners. Um, anyway, uh, my name is Brenda Kilhofer and I was raised in your typical military family. Both my um, stepmom and my dad were active duty military so that meant one of them was home to cook dinner every night we let ourselves into the house or we had babysitters throughout the week and you know what my dad was actually really good with budgeting and so that's about what I you know really budgeting was about the only thing I knew Uh, and he was great at making sure that he put his money aside and like any family it wasn't discussed so we had no idea uh, that that was even going on. In fact, I can remember being at a bowling alley. Uh, he did Friday night bowling with all the buds, all the friends, and we would get our $3 allowance that I would spend right off the bat on video games with my friends. And I stunk at video games. So it was the biggest waste ever. My girlfriend and I, because we didn't want to spend the money. I didn't have enough to spend the money on a Coke or something like that would literally put sugar packets in our ice and squish it together and drink sugar water. all night. <laughs> um, it was crazy. Uh, and I remember sitting And we would go back into the locker room at the bowling alley and we would talk. And I remember her sitting there telling me one time that, you know what you, it's not fair that you don't have, you know, Jordache jeans like I do, or you don't have the nice clothes I do because my mom works at the bank and she says, your parents have plenty of money. And we, literally grew up feeling like we had nothing. I mean, I I remember wearing red spandex pants, like not the cool cut, not, I mean, spandex is cool now, but back then spandex (laughs) was not cool, (laughs) you know, you know, the grandma looking pants with the seam down the front. I had a bright red pair that I would have to, you know, stuff in the backpack after I left the house because I was too embarrassed to wear them. You know, so by the time I was eight, seven, eight, 17, I went into the military myself. And at that point I was like, okay, it's my money. I'm going to spend it on whatever I want. You know, I'm going to go buy my nice clothes. And literally I grew up, just got it in my hands, spend it, get it in my hands and spend it. So that was really, you know, heard things like money doesn't grow on trees. I mean, doesn't, don't we all hear that? Money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> and I really, truly grew up believing there was never enough. There was never enough for what we wanted. Um, so that was a belief system I walked around with. It was not enough.
0: Miss Brenda, I'm sitting here and I'm uh, listening at <laughs> <laughs> that story and thinking about. It. Now, when I was coming up, we really were poor. I mean, mm-hmm. even even from the infrastructure of the house, no indoor plumbing. Uh, We didn't know we were poor. Uh, You know, we, we had a lot of love. And I guess, you know, that kind of covered a lot of things. And, and the kids that were around us, they were poor. So we really didn't know that. So to hear that, you know, maybe you could have had a little better clothes, or you could have had a (laughs) little better, (laughs) um, you know, uh, relationship with money uh, Mm -hmm. financially, you know, and maybe if you had uh, took those $3 instead of going to the video games, if you know to save it up to maybe get that pair of jeans you may have liked, you know, that it would have uh, not have impacted leaving the house like so many of us do and say, oh, now we got our own money. (laughs) And develop even poorer spending habits uh, when it comes to our finances, you know, because I do believe that being raised poor, knowing that we didn't have the indoor plumbing and, 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 and the house was just a uh, old shack of a house. I believe that that impacted me thinking back how right. my earlier years with finances uh, were not the healthiest. Because all we could think that as soon as we got the money Mm -hmm. and it was more money than what my grandma, my grandmother or my mom them had, because now we're in a uh, different generation. So we had more money, but we didn't have more than what they had because our financial habits were so poor. And I believe that it was impacted through those earlier years, Uh, not having enough, not having the nice things and and feeling uh, that we don't line up with our peers. Or maybe Mm -hmm. our peers throw in those little side uh, uh, comments of shade, as they call it, (laughs) throwing that shade our way. And we really didn't know it. But as soon as we make a little money, we get a little money we continue those same poor financial habits. How did that impact you? Not only coming into young adulthood, moving out on your own, but also now think about being married and having a young family. How then is this history, this past, as it relates to your finances, impacting your family uh, at that point?
2: Well, it's clearly, um, I, I love what you brought up about, you know, the, the whole perception of, you know, I, where I thought I was <laughs> because um, of the clothes I had. And I was constantly comparing myself to my friends. And it's so funny that when you bring that up, one of my best friends that actually gave me a pair of her Jordache jeans that she didn't want that I wore almost every day because it was better than what I thought I had, (laughs) you know, and still got the snickering and the laughs and the, the judgment behind. But that, that started very young where I wanted to keep up with everybody else. I wanted to be with it like everybody else. And the funny thing is, is she was actually probably not near as financially um, independent her family as I was. I know she lived in the apartments near the school where, uh, you know, and they were the ones running to, you know, sneak a pack of cigarettes or steal a pack of cigarettes, you know, and claim that, hey, it's for my uncle or whatever. Um, And certainly she didn't have the nice things that we had in our home. And I thought that was simply because she was divorced. But that's really what I walked into adulthood with trying to be like, the neighbor, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And that was what our early familyhood was. I mean, I, I started out, uh, I guess I'd c- call myself a scrapper. You know, when I went into the military, I went into the military believing there was no other choice for me that I couldn't go to college. I didn't know. I thought that, and maybe it was at that time, but I believe that because now I knew that they, my parents had some money. And my dad said, Hey, if you're, you know, unless it's math or science or something, you can really do something with, we ain't paying for it. (laughs) So I thought, well, if they can afford it, I'm not going to get a scholarship or a loan or anything. I didn't even know that stuff existed, um, to the degree that I should have learned. So I went to the military thinking I just had no other choice and came out of the military and, uh, just, you know, I started working at 17 before going into the military at McDonald's. And every time I got that paycheck, it was go spend it. And that was how, as we started out as a family that we were, I I mean, by that time I was making good money. I was working at CenturyLink, uh, which was a great income here, started out as a tech and went into management. And we were still living check to check. Now, my husband, on the other hand, had a Completely different upbringing where his his dad was always kind of an entrepreneur, uh, worked hard. So when he would get his paycheck, he would put it in the bank. He would take his spending money, uh, you know, out for the week. He'd go get his hair cut every Friday afternoon. And that was his routine. And he owned his vehicle cash. And unfortunately, I was sort of like the, well, let's have a nicer vehicle. You know, <laughs> let's do that. I was the one that got it, that would... Say well, let's do this. And when we first started, um, when we first started our life together, it was sort of a his and her bills. I paid mine, he paid his, and then we had fun with whatever else else was there, you know. And, and when we began living together, it was well, I paid you know, these bills, he paid these bills and then there was plenty left over for us to go out to dinner and do things. Um, and we spent it, nothing ever went into savings. Nothing went to our futures. We figured, you know what, whatever our employer was putting in was good enough. So that, that wasn't, and because we were making great money, we did a lot. We had quite, quite the nice, you know, lifestyle and it was never enough. And for me, I think that was one of the things growing up, you know, when I got into financial trouble, my dad always stepped in, he would help me budget, he would, he would be, you know, from 17 on up to that point, and he would support us. So I think I grew up with that's how you show love is through money, right? So by giving a gift by, um, you know, doing something for someone else, and and we ended up upgrading into a big huge house because i saw my husband looking at these big houses where he could bring his mom in at the time she was very sick so we jumped right into that and i can remember um this gut feeling as before we were even closing thinking you know we shouldn't do this but we'd put twenty thousand dollars on so there was that other mindset of oh i can't lose twenty thousand and then there was the what's everybody gonna think they're going to think i'm a failure if i don't move forward you know and yet i knew intuitively that it wasn't the right thing and we still moved right on into it and lo and behold 2008 came and the market crashed and we found ourselves in a lot of trouble
1: so wow you guys are living your best life
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're making good money which it like I always say, it's not what you make, but it's what you keep. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Absolutely. Like you're, you're making good money, but you're also spending good money having a good time as well. Tell us, share with us in the audience what was it that caused the shift? What was the turning point? Cause I know you, you know, you run into the stock market crash, but you know, the stock market. So you guys shifted what was what happened that caused that shift
2: well for us that 2008 crash i was in real estate at the time i had left corporate america i really wanted to be more present with my kids at home more often in my corporate job i was working you know 8 10 12 hours plus a day away from the home my husband was feeding my little boy dinner at night and I wanted to be home more. And I was pregnant with our second child. And so that's what got us into real estate. And so then in 2008, when the market crashed, you know, we had gotten into that bigger house because, you know, really out of fear, we saw the market rising much like it is today. Like, oh, if I don't get it now, I'm not going to get to get it. (laughs) And there was also the, um, you know, so the market crashed and i remember i was doing broker price opinions so that's kind of like an appraisal except that the agents do it and instead of paying the 450 the banks pay about 45 to 110 per appraisal and they're they're almost as detailed not quite as detailed and i was doing enough of those to make between 2500 and 5000 extra cash because we couldn't we we couldn't the, the houses weren't selling or they were short sales and they were taking forever to get closed and sold. And so I had listened to some bad advice prior to this. I leased my car because every realtor should have a lease, right? Because you should always have a nice car. <laughs> really horrible advice. Uh, You know, the Um, you know, getting your hair done, making sure I always had the nice nails, all of these things maintain your advertising. So I started where we didn't, we didn't have a lot of credit cards going into that market, but I, to keep the credit score, I would use the credit cards. So I had three or four different credit cards that I would put my business expenses on. And as the market started to crash, it was like, ooh, this one's used up and I've got all these transactions out. So then the the mistake of using my if-come money, not my income, it was if-come. If it comes, I'm going to get this paid off. Of course, I would look at and view these real estate transactions as guaranteed and they never are. They're never guaranteed. In fact, I had some investors that had a bunch of transactions and they were smart enough to pull them all off the table um, before buying them. So I was using that if come money, and I was told to keep marketing. Well, I was using credit cards to do the marketing, to pay my staff, to do all of those things. So we racked up that debt super, super fast, and those transactions fell out. All of those listings that I had on my board, written, you know, they decided, hey, if I can't sell it for three hundred and fifty thousand, and it's only worth hundred and twenty or hundred and seventy, I'm not going to sell. So all of that if come money just disappeared out from under me. And I remember being pregnant, uh, having Jacob, my, my, uh, he's now 13 and we got home from the hospital on Monday. I had had a C-section and on Saturday and Sunday, I made my my sister drive me on back-to-back customers and showing appointments and come back to the house to feed them because I couldn't afford to not work. And you know, and I was literally, my schedule was doing those broker price opinions was up until two, three in the morning, filling in that, that work and then getting back up at seven o'clock, six or seven to get the kids ready for school and start calling the banks to negotiate the short sales and then get out and do pictures. So, you know, it was a, both a frustration and a just the stress of doing that and realizing, Hey, I went into real estate so that I could be with my kids and I'm not spending any time with my kids. And that, that was really where kind of the breaking point for us.
0: Yeah. I I can definitely see where that would impose some, some, some big stresses, you know, on, on a family, uh, on the parent child relationship, the, spouse relationship uh, the career you know not being able to take time for yourself and thinking back you know i think that is what woke me up uh, several years ago and and where i said you know there has to be something better to life than what i'm experiencing right now making good money uh the demands of the job not allowing me to uh, be there to parent my children and having to leave the care of my children in the hands of somebody else that you may or may not be able to trust. You know, either way, they're not going to parent or or uh, support the child or care for the child like you necessarily would. So, um, I gave it all up. I, I gave it all up. I quit the job. Uh, I start substituting in the local school system. Uh, I changed careers. You know it. I I sacrifice so much thinking back when our eyes come open and we look at the mess we're making, so to speak, you know, we're, we're really making a mess of this thing. And it all has to do with, uh, like you mentioned, Brenda, uh, taking the advice from somebody else, or like I've said so many times, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, Sharika always says, there's choices, there's consequences for the choices that we make. And we're making these choices. When we look at that, it's the little girl with all these poverty lessons, these poverty mindsets that are making the choices for us up to this point. And now this this grown woman is trying to... uh, break forth and she wakes up and realize man I've made a mess of this thing how did I get here and not only is it impacting my relationships it's impacting my children it's impacting my career I'm sacrificed I have all this stuff which is what the world tells us that we need to have that ideal life we have all this stuff but then we're still not fulfilled we're, we're still not. So I'm assuming that at this time when this grown woman wakes up and begins to take control of her life, that now, like me, there's debt on top of debt on top of debt. There's more uh, month than there is money at the end of it. And now we have to undo the damage that We've taught our children up to this point. Now we have to go back and rebuild the relationship with our significant others. So the grown woman has woke up. She realizes that, Hey, we're drowning. We have all this stuff and yet we're not fulfilled. What then do you do?
2: Well, for us, the first step, and we, I I actually did some, personal development, which is what really made me realize that, okay, I'll, this is about this image that I'm trying to measure up and be enough for everyone else. It really wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to be my, the mom. And it was that realization that I am so far away from what I want for me trying to live up to everybody else's expectations, just so they'll love me. And There was a moment that Rodney and I had looked at, you know, one of the strategies to keep our house where you file bankruptcy and then in in the meantime, negotiate a lower uh, payment. And this house was 4,000 square feet. It was way too much house for us. By that time, his mom had already gone back to live with his sister and keeping and maintaining it was a nightmare. And we walked out of there and we started fighting and i remember my husband saying you know what why don't we just kill two birds with one stone we'll we'll just just do the bankruptcy you know don't worry about keeping the house and we'll get divorced at the same time and that was not what either one of us wanted it was just him lashing out in that moment and i think that was a real wake up call so we made the decision to go move into an apartment we put that house on the market as a short sale we had already short sold one of the investment properties our prior home that we had upsized from and kept uh got that one short sold this one it didn't work out we actually ended up foreclosing so we moved the kids into the apartment before that happened and it was it was really humbling and it was one of the hardest things i ever did and then we went and we took the car um then the, the the van that we had were leasing, actually the engine blew up because the maintainers had uh, not, had misdiagnosed something. So fortunately with $2,000 and my dad helping us um, by co-signing the loan, we then downsized into this little Toyota Camry that was less than $11,000 and reeked of cigarette smoke. And I just remember like this feeling in the pit of my stomach of just like, I'm too good for this. Why am I, why am I, why am I here? And yet knowing it was the right thing. And it really wasn't until a couple of years later, we actually, you know, again, I had a miscarriage and my husband had to go straight to work. He couldn't be there with me and money was making all of our choices for us. And we were introduced uh, to a couple through all of that training that we had done that came back to us and said hey i want you i want you to check out this information and they gave me some audios on finances that just kind of ch- by that time we were we were back in a house uh the market was down and again my dad had helped us with that that wasn't something we were able to do ourselves and i i remember him coming to us and and my husband and I just looked at each other and I said, we need something different. What we've been doing isn't working. You know, this was now seven years, I think it was 2013. So six years after the crash and that debt was still hanging over our shoulder. I mean, we were getting calls from collections every day. We, we were having servers come to the door because we couldn't, we couldn't make, we couldn't pay it. We just didn't have enough to pay our monthly bills plus that debt that we'd racked up. So we hadn't even made a dent in most of it over the course of 7-8 years. And he gave us an audio that literally changed our lives and it, and I remember just thinking gosh, that seems so easy. Why didn't anybody ever tell me this? Why don't I know this? And that's when I became really passionate one about making a difference for us, you know, stop in the game of hot potato. Cause that was the game. My husband and I were playing at that time. We were trying to fix it, but it was like, all right, I'll take the, I'll take the budget. I'll take the money for a while. And I, I, you know, do everything I could and then bless his heart. He would grab something for lunch, you know, on the debit card because he didn't take something with him that day. And, I wasn't communicating what was going on, so I had spent something somewhere else because I knew we had it in the budget, not because it was a made sense to spend it. So he sees that and thinks, oh, okay, we've got it. He spends it, World War III breaks out. I'm blaming him for the now check that's bounced in the account and we're fighting over all these, you know, which caused the snowball of bounce after bounce after bounce and then a bill doesn't get paid and then the electric's getting threatened to be turned off. And it's like, okay, fine, here's the hot potato. It's yours now, you do it. You do better than I did. <laughs> and that was our reality. And then I heard this information and said, gosh, there's a better way. And so we, when, when Kevin sat down with us, he said, look, I can help you through this. And we just, I remember standing there and I said, is there enough money in the account? And he looked at it because it was his turn to hold hot potato. And he looked at it and he said, there is now but he better run it before tomorrow morning. Cause I can't promise it'll be there in the morning. And he had just gotten paid that day. I mean, that's how bad things were. Um, so we took a leap of faith because we knew we needed, and we invested in us for the first time ever. And we, we said, you know what, we're going to invest in us. We're going to invest in a, a business that teaches people about finances. And we're going to learn about it at the same time, because we, you know, when when you hear truth truth is sweet to the ears and in that cd we had heard truth and we knew that that was a path for us so that's that's really what kind of changed things for us and and, and turned turned us on the right path
1: So I'm curious, and I know the audience (laughs) wants to know too. And uh, audience, if you're just now joining us today, we are having a conversation with Brenda Killhofer um, discussing beating all odds, um, how they paid off $120,000 in debt. Now, this audio that your friend introduced you to, can you share with us what What is this audio? What
2: is this magic, (laughs) magic audio? (laughs) Well, this, the first one was called camel in the tent and it really just kind of, so, you know, I had tried, right. My husband and I had tried to do different programs that are out there in the marketplace and. You know, they either teach defense. Or they teach offense, no one really teaches the playing field. And this audio talked about the playing field. It talked about what I now refer to as the financial matrix, you know, because we all want to get ahead and we know something's not quite right and the odds are sort of against us. And this sort of explained that. And it kind of took a little bit of the shame, the blame, the guilt away from me. Like, okay. You know what? There is a better way. I have an opportunity to learn it. And, you know, I've been programmed kind of in a way to think the way I am and to get myself into this um, situation. So that audio camel in the tent, I'm actually going to uh, give a free download to you guys and all of your listeners today, if that's okay. Yes, that would be great. (laughs) Yes. So
1: audience, let's let's thank Brenda, because I will be sure to include the download in our show notes. So, um, guys, be sure to check that out. And now, you also, you have a new podcast, right? Um, I do. Cheat Mama Life podcast, which is also aired through um, Transform You Media on the Caterpillar Network. Um, We'll also include the link so that they can you know, tune into that as well, if if you'd like to provide that to us.
2: Oh, that would be awesome. I will send you that link as well to make sure that it goes in the show notes. Okay. So
1: with all that you've been through and the success that you've had on this journey, what, what would you say would be, if you had to give one main piece of advice to our listeners, what would it be?
2: I would say that the only reason that we were successful paying that debt off is because we changed our mindset. You know, you can get instructions, you can get a roadmap to do it. And if you don't change your thinking about money, it's going to be hard to stay the course. You know, beans and rice rice and beans over the long haul is hard it's hard for anyone for us we joke that it was chicken and rice and that even our dog ate the chicken and rice i mean you know there are so many only so many ways you can make chicken and rice um and the kids remember that and mindset was everything in 2015 we didn't have money for christmas and without changing our mindset, we would have put it on credit cards or we would have not paid other bills. That year, we taught ourselves and our family a really valuable lesson, and and we made pretty IOUs on the computer, and that went into the kids' stockings. And outside of what um, gifts maybe um, my dad or their godparents got them, and it wasn't a lot, you know, it's not. it's not like I have gone and I have been part of a donation program and walked into homes and seeing piles of gifts there. Um, that didn't happen for us. And it was literally, you know, each one got one IOU and maybe one gift. And that was different for a whole family. And for us, it was like, that's, we're not going to be here again. We're going to make this better for our family and, and our lives. And yet the lesson we learned from that is so invaluable. And cause it was, it was one of our probably better holidays. It wasn't, you know, most of the food was donated that we had gotten donations from St. Vincent de Paul, but we were successful because we changed our mindset. We started listening to people that had what we wanted. You know, you don't go listen to your broke neighbor about money. You know, you don't go listen to your broke uncle about money. You get on a podcast like yours and listen to people who have been through the trenches. Maybe they, you know, they may not have what you want yet, but that are a little bit further down the road than you are and that are learning principles from people with fruit on the tree. And I put that in and shut off all other media because all other media is designed to keep you broke. It's designed to keep you in debt. So I did a media, we literally got rid of cable, got rid of all of those things. One, we couldn't afford them. And it isn't it interesting that you walk into a home where people are broke and They got the best cell phones. They got the best, you know, they've got every single channel on their pay-per-view and all of the different media. We got rid of all of that, which helped, you know, that money then got to go against debt. It wasn't a need. And we started to change our mindset, listening to podcasts and listening to audios like Camel in the Tent day in and day out. When I got to hear people celebrate selling a car they couldn't afford the payments on, and turning around and buying a $5,000, $6,000 clunker and running the wheels off of that, regardless of how that looked. And that was my Toyota. I can remember telling, making my husband put that, cause I was still doing real estate. I made him put the two hubcaps on the passenger side. And he would laugh at me at how stupid it looked. I'm like, yeah, but my, my client's getting on the passenger side. They don't see the driver's side, leave them there. <laughs> um, and it just not being not being tied to what it looked like, you know, and that's and that's changing yourself too. Mindset is everything, and when you start to shift what you believe, you can start to really make fast, rapid changes in your life.
0: Absolutely. Well, Miss Brenda, we appreciate you sharing that. It's it, so many nuggets dripped inside of uh, each element of the story that you've shared with us. Uh, today, um, and you know, we all can relate in some way or another. Whether it's in the beginning, whether it's somewhere in the middle, or moving into our greatness here toward the uh, latter part of our story, you know, we can all relate to that some way or another. Looking at the different dynamics of our family, now here we are. We been through uh, 2020, which for some people was overwhelming, moved right on into 2021, where so many are still feeling the heat and the pressures. And they're looking for solutions. They're looking for how do I dig myself out of this? And it's not gonna happen overnight. You've shared with us over a period of time uh, how we've gotten ourselves into things and how we begin to uh, now shift the mindset and move toward uh, a better future. It's not going to happen overnight. And so for some of our listeners who are still in the thick of it, in the early processes of maybe now they're just realizing my mindset needs to change. That's the key. I've did everything else, but yet my mindset It's my mindset. And once we get that, we are so much better. And so that is so important. What kind of encouragement can you give that young lady or that young man listening today here as we're on this two for one on the woman to woman and the money and mindset podcast? Uh, What kind of last words of encouragement can you leave for our listeners who are still in the thick of it?
2: Well, um, I, you know, when I look back, that crash in 2008 was the greatest gift i ever received so because that's was the catalyst for change for me so the first thing i would encourage anyone out there who's realizing i'm not where i want to be or i need to make some, a change gratitude be grateful for this time this opportunity right now that is that you have that To recognize that this isn't the way you want things to be from here forward. Reframe 2020 and 2021 from being the worst year of your life, the hardest thing, to being a gift that, one, made you realize that this isn't where you want to be. And then go find a mentor. Find a mentor who is on the path that you want to be. And ask that mentor what your first step should be. And do whatever that mentor, you know what you want to mentor. If, and then be hungry, be hungry, 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 and be teachable. If that mentor says, go read this book, you go get that book immediately. No excuses. No, I can't afford it. The mentor knows that you don't, if you're caught, if you're getting help for money, the mentor knows that you don't have that money. And the mentor also knows that that book or whatever that mentor is telling you to do has the opportunity to change your life. So be the hungriest student in the room everywhere you are and do what that mentor asks you to do. Read that book, read it as fast as you can and follow up and go grab the next one and go grab the invest in you invest in the six inches between your ears, because that's the biggest investment that you will ever make. And as you shift that, as you start to change your thinking and your habits each and every day, no, it's not overnight. And I think we completely overestimate what we accomplish in a year, but we always underestimate what we can accomplish in three years or five years. And three years from now, you'll probably look back and go, wow, I didn't think I'd be able to do this that fast and the other thing is just create a vision for the life that you want and picture that vision day in and day out you know what is it that you want don't focus on where you've been focus on where you're going and just be in the moment each and every day making the right decisions and um with peace each day and enjoy the journey cuz there are so many lessons to learn along the way and and write down the stories cuz you know what? Someday you'll have the opportunity to be able to share those with somebody else. So write the stories along the way.
0: Awesome. We thank you uh, for being here as our special guest co-host today on the Woman to Woman and the Money and Mindset podcast. Guys, this will wrap it up for now. I am your host and Tricia Bray Smith.
1: And I am Sharika Alfred. Be safe and take care.
0: Thank you for dropping by the Woman to Woman podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please like and subscribe to the podcast and connect with me on my Linktree at Linktree slash Antricia Brace Smith. Again, that's Linktree slash Antricia Brace Smith.